is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. Listen, if you're like me, you probably want to find places or people to serve in your community. And if you're really like me, you get totally overwhelmed trying to find the right community to plug into. Well, today, I'm so happy to make that search a little easier for you. Introducing the Christian Appalachian Project. There are volunteer opportunities for short-term individuals like cooks, nurses, and home repair crew leaders. There are also options to become one-year volunteers and AmeriCorps members who assist seniors living in isolation, teach preschoolers basic skills to be ready for kindergarten, mentoring and investing in teens, and serving at food pantries to provide nutritious food to individuals and families in need. CAP has one mission, but many ways to serve. Volunteers come from a wide variety of backgrounds with a diverse set of skills. So, if you believe you can make a difference in Appalachia, CAP would love to hear from you. You join the many volunteers who are committed to serving and building relationships with the community. So friends, if you want to help build hope, transform lives, and share Christ's love through service in Appalachia, I want to encourage you today. This is your chance. Visit christianapp.org slash volunteer to learn more. Since my first trip to the ocean as a little girl, I've loved chasing shells. Searching eyes as the waves roll and retreat, it becomes a chase. You catch a glimpse and step further to grab a hold. Isn't it funny, though? Before you know it, you look up and you're a long distance from where you began. So often for me, God speaks through the rhythms of nature. His creation parallels His truth. Like chasing shells, with one step at a time, searching for the flash of what you hope to find. Just as we seek after God, one step at a time. Through the waves, our eyes are stayed on Him. And before you know it, you're further and deeper in pursuit of Him. It's a beautiful reminder not to be overwhelmed. In years past, I remember feeling like the gap between us was too far. But over the years, God has been good to remind me that He only asks for one small step at a time. Conversely, we can also drift in pursuit of things that take us further from God and His truth. With small choices over time resulting in a great distance of your heart from His desire for you. So today, I ask you to reflect on where your steps are taking you. Are you chasing the shells God has laid before you? Are you following things that draw you away? This seems to be the great tension of our lives, choosing things, in obedience, that contradict world logic. Sometimes the hardest things are unseen. The choices made and the fight to honor them go largely unnoticed, until those moments of obedience make you stand out from the crowd. That's hard, too, in today's society, to stand up for something that doesn't make sense because it goes against everything our culture praises. But sweet friends, I want to remind you that you aren't alone in it. Choosing obedience to God has been a fight through the ages. Every story in the Bible is there because a person or a nation chose obedience or disobedience, and they all serve as examples to us because of it. Today, however, I thought I would tie in an old bedtime favorite. 
It seemed especially fitting, since I imagined there was a beach and some sand somewhere in this story, which is really how we began this whole conversation. Anyway, this is the story of Jonah, chapters 1 through 3. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, Amadi's son. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those to go to Tarshish, as far away from God as he could get. But God sent a huge storm at sea, the waves towering. The ship was about to break into pieces. The sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to their gods. They threw everything they were carrying overboard to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain came to him and said, What's this? Sleeping? Get up! Pray to your God! Maybe your God will see we're in trouble and rescue us. Then the sailors came to one another. Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to identify the culprit on this ship. Who's responsible for this disaster? So they drew straws. Jonah got the short straw. Then they grilled him. Confess, why this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country, what family? He told them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship God the God of heaven who made sea and land. At that, the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, What on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realized that he was running away from God. They said to him, What are we going to do with you to get rid of this storm? By this time, the sea was wild, totally out of control. Jonah said, Throw me overboard into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me and you'll get rid of the storm. But no, the men tried rowing back to shore. They made no headway. The storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. Then they prayed to God, Oh God, don't let us drown because of this man's life and don't blame us for his death. You are God. Do what you think is best. They took Jonah and threw him overboard. Immediately, the sea quieted down. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. They worshipped God, offered a sacrifice, and made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and nights. Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed, In trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. He answered me. From the belly of the grave I cried, Help! You heard my cry. You threw me into the ocean's depths, into the watery grave. With ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me, I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go, and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from the grave alive, O oh God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, God frauds, walk away from their only true love, 
but I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promise to do. Salvation belongs to God. Then God spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the seashore. Next, God spoke to Jonah a second time. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. This time, Jonah started off straight for Nineveh, obeying God's orders to the letter. Nineveh was a big city, very big. It took three days to walk across it. Jonah entered the city, went one day's walk, and preached. In 40 days, Nineveh will be smashed. The people of Nineveh listened and trusted God. They proclaimed a citywide fast and dressed in burlap to show their repentance. Everyone did it, the rich and poor, famous and obscure, leaders and followers. When the message reached the king of Nineveh, he got up off his throne, threw down his royal robes, dressed in burlap, and sat down in the dirt. Then he issued a public proclamation through Nineveh, authorized by him and his leaders. Not one drop of water, not one bite of food for a man, woman, or animal, including your herds and flocks. Dress them all, both people and animals, in burlap and send a cry for help to God. Everyone must turn around, turn back from an evil life and violent ways that stain their hands. Who knows? Maybe God will turn around and change His mind about us. Quit being angry with us and let us live. God saw what they had done and that they had turned from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do, he didn't do. So there you have it, folks. An example of a man who ran away and disobeyed God. But he was also a man who learned his lesson and chose obedience the second time around. And that second chance, it proved to be the very act that saved a city of over 120,000 people from destruction. That one step, that Yes, to what Jonah knew God was asking, it saved an entire generation and even future generations. I know Jonah's story seems dramatic, but I kind of love that so many Bible stories are. They really happened, and they really teach us through their lives, their mistakes, and their learned lessons. And for any of you thinking, well, it would be easier to obey God if He gave me a personal directive like Jonah, eh, That may be so, but here's another reminder. God speaks in many ways. If you're unsure of what He's saying, there's a manual that always holds His principles and His truths. That's the Bible. It lays out wrongs and rights, cause and effects, and it's full of wisdom to live by. Obedience won't always be some big personal mission, like going to preach to a whole evil city like Nineveh. Obedience can be as simple as living your life by biblical truths. In fact, it is that simple. One step at a time, like the seashells I used to chase in the waves. We live in a fallen world. The Bible and our obedience to it is the only true source by which we navigate it well. The fight isn't against the world, but against unseen forces at work in it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, The world is unprincipled. It's doggy-dog world out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire 
massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Another translation, a little easier to read, says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Some of the weapons and tools it's referring to is our use of and obedience to the Word of God. He gives them as our sword to yield. So, take heart, sweet friends. Remember that inner obedience may be the hardest choice, but it will always yield the harvest of a blessed life. It only takes one step at a time. Today, I pray our paths are directed by obedient hearts. And I pray that all who hear these words ask for the wisdom to seek peace over pride, insight over influence, and grace over greatness. May we be so full of joy in pursuit of Him that everything else seems secondary. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share it with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.